Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 119. I am very pleased to report a couple of things. Um, The first of which is that I know for anyone who's been listening, you may have heard me talk about how I've been depressed. And I have been depressed for most of 2021, or at least the good kind of second half. But I am feeling better. I, um, I'm feeling kind of like I'm leaning more toward my old anxiety, the old familiar friend. Um, yeah, and if I have to choose, I definitely pick anxiety over depression. Um, you know, not that either are great. But so that's one piece of good news. And I'll say I think part of the reason is that um, I've been working with this new PR firm And I am feeling kind of excited and hopeful about the advice that they're giving me. And I'm feeling like they're taking great care of me. So um, along that line, like I'm just I'm segueing right into it here. Um, If you're following my socials, you will have seen by now that there is a release date for my um, next single uh, track three from the hallowed wide. And on the date that you're hearing this, it's going to be February first I think um and quicksand is coming out did I already say it the title's quicksand it's coming out on this Friday February 4th um quicksand is the last song that I recorded for um the hallowed wide sorry not the last song I recorded the last song I wrote for the hallowed wide um and yeah I, I don't know what I want. I don't want to say too much about it. I think I'll probably record like a little, you know, songwriting diary about it um, maybe next week. But I think uh, what I want to say now is just that it's a nice it's a nice little pop song. Like, I think it's maybe the poppiest pop song I've ever written. Um, and it has a beautiful theme. It's kind of about like that kind of initial surrender um you know, maybe before you're like falling in love with someone, but kind of those moments where you're just uh, really excited about a new person and also maybe like kind of scared and just kind of um, surrendering to like the kind of come what may of it all. So um, it feels like a really important piece of The Hallowed Wide, which is, um, you know, a study of human connection. So if we're going to talk about human connection, uh, you know, that feels like an important piece of that to explore. So um, Quicksand is going to be out in a couple of days. So please listen to that. Um, <clears throat> you know, go follow me on Spotify. And where if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, you have to follow my artist name, which is Emily Merrill. Um, in order to kind of get notifications about that. Anyway, so that's exciting. And hopefully I'll have some other kind of exciting new things coming soon. Um, Yeah. Okay, well, one other thing that's cool is um, today's episode is with an old friend and someone who I admire so much and look up to so much. It's a beautiful gift to interview um, artists that I already know. Um, It just, you know, it's a different kind of an energy and especially to interview someone who I consider to be a mentor. It's a real privilege and I'm so excited for you guys to get to know Flavia too. Um, Okay, here's her bio. Flavia Servina Wood studied classical violin at the Conservatory of Music in Santiago and at the Universidad uh, Catolica de Chile early in her, oh, that's period. Early in her career, she moved to Brazil to join the band Grupo Agua, which toured South America and performed and recorded with Milton Nascimento. 
Um, that's a big deal, you guys. Her first work in the United States was with the Brockport Symphony in New York before moving to San Francisco, where she was active in the Latin music scene. She's a featured soloist with Solo Sol, Sol y Luna, Sun and Moon, along with Rebecca Malion and Michael Spiro. She's active in the improvised music scene, having performed with Cecil Taylor and his orchestra at the San Francisco Jazz Festival and a composition by John Cage with the Merce Cunningham Dance Company. She currently performs with Red Rock Rondo, who won two Emmy Awards in 2010, Blue Haiku, the Emily Merrill Band. Oh my gosh, I'm in her bio. I'm just seeing that for the first time right now. Diamond Empire Band, the Philip Keen Orchestra, the Alan Michael Band, and the Salt Lake Symphony. Flavia holds a BA in music from San Francisco State University and a master's in social work from the University of Utah. And I don't know if it actually said it in here. Oh, it did at the very beginning. She's a violinist and a really brilliant one and just an incredible mind and a beautiful, brave, resilient spirit. And, um, Again, it's just a privilege to know Flavia and an honor to um, have shared a stage with her, an honor to hear her play my music, and um, such a, a pleasure and a gift to interview her and to share um, some of her stories here with all of you. So listen to Quicksand this Friday. Um, the first two tracks of The Hallowed White are already out. If you've missed them, go catch up. Um, the And then I'm going to be releasing one track a month. Um, for, you know, until they're done, which will be in October. So go listen to those, listen to Quicksand when it comes out, and please enjoy this interview with my dear, beautiful friend, Flavia. Enjoy. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists, and I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Talk about your blue hair and your naked shows. <laughs> <laughs> and eating raw bacon. If you want to know that, then you can. You need to ask me how did you meet Harold. Okay. Then the naked part. Well, comes pull your in. pull your microphone over. Oh I my think God. you can put it kind of like under your chair. <coughs> Say that again. Um, you can put the leg under your chair. Yeah. And that way you can get it like really close to you. And then I can help you with it, but. Oh, yeah, that's okay. how I like to do it. That's good. In the front. Ha, yeah. Ha, then ha. Um, put your headphones on. You're you an old pro here, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I've done like over a hundred of these now. So. Wow. I couldn't listen to Philip. It's like, no, 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 no. Oh, really? I work with Philip 12 years every week. Yeah. Oh, you it's listen like, to no, him too no, much. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put those on and then you'll be able to hear more like where you want your microphone oh, yeah. to be. <clears throat> so, Hello. Yeah, probably yeah. put it a little closer and then um, see how it's like this right now, Flavia? Your microphone, put it like this, so it's like facing your mouth. Yeah, good. Yeah, and then I always tell people, like, if you want to move, just move it with you. Like, just, okay. <laughs> just move. Cool. Yeah, you can move okay. it all, as much as you want. All right. Well, let's get started. Okay. So, I'm so excited to talk with my friend Flavia. I've known Flavia since right when I moved to Utah. I remember it was like, it was like maybe, maybe like the first week that I lived here, and Red Rock Rondo was playing at the Rose... Wagner Theater 
and uh, I went up and talked to you and Harold after, and then we scheduled a little play date, and we've been friends yes. ever since. And um, I and just when was that? It was 2012. Wow, I know, almost 10 years ago. Wow, and I just look up to you so much. I think you're amazing, and I'm so excited to get to know you better and to have my podcast listeners get to know you better. All right. Thank you for <laughs> inviting me. I'm it's my yes. pleasure. I wanted to wait until I was like a, a better interviewer before having you on because I wanted to make sure to do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to always start with all of my guests talking about their childhoods. And I specifically would love to hear your thoughts about what you were like as a creative child. Like, what were you up to? What evidence was there that you were a creative little Flavia? Well, the nickname I had at my neighborhood was Earthquake. Yeah. So that maybe says something <laughs> about me. You grew up in Chile. In Chile. Chile. In Santiago, okay. Chile. So it's a big city, yeah. cement, and I like cities, you yeah. know. And um, I, had two bro- I have two brothers and my mom and my stepdad who raised me. Okay. And it was just uh, two professionals, no drugs, no alcohol in the home, um, my brother and I went to the Conservatory of Music since very early age, so how he's did, a cellist. How did your parents decide to send you to a Conservatory of Music so young? Like, how did you get into oh, it? Or? My the Wood family, my mom. Okay. She and all her brothers, which is ten of them, nine of them, so she's a ten, the oldest of ten. Wow. Uh, everyone played an instrument, and okay. my grandmother, her mom was a pianist and a piano teacher and a music teacher. So was my mom. Okay. So music was part of our life. It was something that you were supposed to have to yeah. do, you know. How did you decide which of you would play which instrument? Interesting question. Um, she put the uh, some concertos, and when I listened to the Brahms con- violin concerto, I chose the violin. Wow. So your yes. brother was in cello and you were playing violin. And then yes. you said you have another brother. Was he playing? He's little. He's seven years younger than we are. Okay. So he tried, my mom tried to have him play the piano, but he didn't. And it didn't take. He's, an, he's a very successful businessman. Cool. So um, what age were you when you started going to the conservatory? Seven. Oh, my heavens. Yes. And you were playing, were you playing violin before that too? No. Okay, so you, you... I picked it up at the conservatory. That okay. was my first experience. And then for, at the conservatory, so did was it normal for... Did most of the other children who went to the conservatory have, like, parents who were accomplished musicians? Nobody. <laughs> I was the only weird kid that had to practice violin after school, you know? Yeah. So I had friends that my girlfriends, which are still my friends... They wanted to play ball or whatever, come to the house, and my yeah. mom will ask him, "Sorry, but you need she to leave to because she has to practice." Tell so. me, like, I don't, maybe I'm like missing some cultural things, but like, is it is it almost like a decision? Like, like seven is so young to kind of like make a decision. Like, this child is going to be great at violin. Like, what was that like, or like how how was that decision made? My mom made that decision. She just. She just Took us to the concert. She registered us. Wow. Didn't ask anyone yeah. except she put. We li- we grew up listening to classical music yeah. at the home. Uh, like r- popular music or stuff was not. It's not that it wasn't allowed, but it was part of like 
it was not part of our family. Okay. And it's, it's, I think it's sad because yeah. I missed a lot, you well, know? Yeah, that was my next question of like, because I know you're a beautiful violinist, but you're such a creative and vibrant person in all these other ways. Mm-hmm. So when you were a child... What, um, what other, what like other things, like, were you excited about colors? Were you in, were you thinking about what you like to wear? Did you like to dance? Did you draw? Did you write? Like what other things were you doing as a child that were I read creative? a lot of books and there is one book that I still have that was given to me by my godmother, which is called, the title is De Un País Lejano, which means from a faraway country. And I became obsessed with that book and Mm. also with airplanes. And it's very interesting because my life is like a tapestry of traveling. That's my passion and it still is. And I I question myself, it's like, is it because I always want to run away from myself Mm. and go somewhere else and uh, remodel myself somewhere else or no, but I figured it out. It's not that I'm not running from myself. It's just the excitement of a new place, new people. I, my passion is people. Yeah. You know, you're, that's what I mean. Like you're so creative and vibrant and like violin is just one piece of that. So I, I I will say it's a chunk piece, but it's not me. You know what I mean? I don't define myself as, Oh, I'm a violinist. Right. It's just not. It's, I used to, mm-hmm. and uh, it changed. Yeah. So one thing I'm really passionate about, like in my in the podcast, and also just in general, is yeah, like our creative pursuits, like the actual skills that we choose to pursue, is one thing, but like it's the creative spark that's like more important. And I, I'm kind of a firm believer that like that creativity is like everyone should have it and it doesn't it doesn't need to be linked to a particular skill in the arts it's more about like exploring yes. curiosity yes curiosity that's an incredible word mm-hmm. i think that's where art comes from i think so too that's where love comes from that's where uh, knowing comes from wisdom yeah and uh, i was a super curious child yeah and I, I remember, and I, sti- I think I still do enjoy reactions of people. Mm. And I don't know why, but I mean? just, like, I used to, like, open the window in my house. We live in a busy street, and people will walk by, and I will do a sound so they will get, mm-hmm. like, jump or something. Mm-hmm. And that will be like a thrill for me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. kind of little thing. And uh, I will always be laughing and kind of like the clown of the class. Yeah. So very, f- kind of disruptive a little bit, but because I was just always curious, my imagination ran like I will imagine things and I still do. And yeah. sometimes I laugh by myself and my husband is like, oh, there she goes. I do the same thing. Because yeah. I'm just imagining that, uh, I don't know, that a painting will fall on somebody's head. What is very silly. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I love it. the brain is going Well, on. I think... I think a lot of us are like that as children and then we unlearn it as adults. And I think it's so sad. Like <laughs> I feel the same way. Like I also, I, I, I think I'm less of a tease than you, but, but I, I also get a thrill by like, you know, just having, having like little interactions with a stranger. I like it so much. Like, like, um, 
one thing that I do all the time. It's just like a little experiment that I do that I that I love, you know, in Utah and maybe it's like this everywhere. I'm not sure. But we have a lot of double doors when we're entering public buildings like there's one door and then another door to help keep the cold out or the heat. And I love it when I'm entering a building at the same time as someone and maybe they open the door for me. And then I love to say like, now it's my turn. And I open the other one and I love to see how people react to that. (laughs) I get a little thrill from being like, now you. And and that it comes down to like human interaction, Mm -hmm. which is what Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by. Totally. It's like uh, that curiosity of human behavior. And that's why I got a master's degree in social work and I was a social worker for a long time. And that's very creative work as well. Like thinking, um, thinking creatively about what people need or what might be going on with them. I'm sure that like lights up a similar part of your brain. Just put a smile on somebody's face, you know, kind of like that gives me a thrill. Yeah. 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 So throughout your, will you tell me about like, I'd like to know how your relationship with art and like specifically music or just, you know, whatever, art in general, anything, what, whatever that means to you, and creativity developed in like your teen years. Okay, so my teen years are a very um, crucial part of my story. Okay. And the reason is, at, so before what I wanted to say, um, as I said before, I grew up in a very classical music environment. Yeah. And I was obsessed with the Volovsian dances of Borodin, okay. I believe. And I will put that music loud and repeat, yeah. repeat, repeat. We have neighbors coming, please stop. Please stop. I had my best friend who's still my best friend. She hated it. Yeah. And she will say, I'm not coming to your house if you're going to put that music on. Wow. And I, I'm just so powerful Why? music. What and I love still love it? it. I don't know. The melody, the the choir, the voices yeah. is so powerful. So I got very emotions for me move me a lot, right? Yeah. Of course. So yeah. I'm like really alive and too sensitive sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, my teenage years, we lived in Santiago in downtown, and when I was 16, I was living with my grandma, and I was going to this French nun school, which okay. is like where my mom was educated. Did Her you say mom a was school? yes, a Wait. Catholic French nun school. Okay. Okay. All girls. I always went to all girls schools until mm. my eleventh grade. Wow. That was a shock. Yeah. To have oh guys in the class. <laughs> but anyway, so September eleventh, nineteen seventy three, I was sixteen years old. And this uh, military coup blew up in Chile. Wow. So that marked me forever. So if, you know, bullet coming through the windows, oh many people die. There are still 3,000 disappear. My brother disappeared, the cello player. And then oh, no. we found him alive, but uh, barely. Wow. He exiled. He lives in Belgium now for oh the past gosh. 40 years. And um, it's just a very sad part of my story yeah. because it, Chile is a very divided country still. Yeah. And you have people that denied what happened, which mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Even family members do that. Oh, my gosh. And uh, But we were very, like, social justice aware in my home. Good. And um, it, it, it was intolerable. So 
That was in 73, and I left Chile in 78. Okay. So I lasted five years with the, with the regime, okay. which that regime lasted 17 years. Wow. And horrors happened, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's really changed the whole tapestry of the country. Yeah. Like books were forbidden. They oh opened my, my violin case in the streets how many times? Wow. Uh, I was beat up by police. Oh my for, gosh, you know, you. I mean, As it's very intense. Yes. Wow. And then another big part of my life is that at that, exactly at that time, and it took me years to realize this. It was like a ha a mm. ha moment, you know, like I started drinking alcohol oh. right when that happened. And it's like, now I understand why yeah. it was like numbing, mm-hmm. you yeah, know? Totally. So. And you were 16. 16. Yeah. And then I, you know, drinking was a problem for me. Mm-hmm. So. Hopefully, in this interview with you, I will help somebody because it's very important for yeah. me to give this message. I've been sober for 34 years. Wow. So awesome. when I turned 30, so I'm 64. Yeah. When I turned 30, I stopped. Yeah. I made a decision wow. to stop. And from then, so there was this Flavia little, creative, happy, laughing Flavia adolescent that became like a hippie girl and believed in community, Mother Earth. And I still believe in that. Um, But except that I don't want to live with anyone but my husband in my home. (laughs) But I have living communes in in the Bay Area, actually. Cool. How did your relationship with music change in your teens? So you're still playing? In- oh, yes. I started improvising, actually. Okay. Like at 70, when I went to the 11th grade, yeah. we had a group with two friends of mine who are still my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a guitar player. Both of them were guitar players. And we just created this trio and we played Cat Steven music. Cool. And I will, you know, he has this Sad Lisa song that has a violin. Yeah. So we played that. Cool. And that was like my first introduction to to improvising yeah. because I was a classical player and nobody in violin improvised so it was like and that I really got into that change that took another it, direction it for lined me. up with your soul but like yes. better yes um, when you first started improvising did you feel any like fear about that or did you just feel like oh this is this is what I'm supposed to do both. Both. Yes. Will you tell me more about that? Like yes. how you navigated it? Well, you know, when you're 16, you're very insecure. Yeah. <laughs> and sick and 17 and 18 and 19. And I don't know. Whatever it yeah. lasts. Yeah. <laughs> the insecurity. But um, um, it was fear because, you you know, you're very self, abs- not self-absorbed, but Self-aware that others, especially at that age, you are 17, 18 years old, first time in a mixed school with boys that people are looking at you and whatever. But but there in the music, which I know you know this, when you play music and you get into that zone, and I'm a zone player Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. sure, you forget about everything, which is the magic of music. It's It's like this is this thing and then people say what did you do and I have no idea because I don't remember what it happened but it's this like I don't know musicians that are listening to this they know what I'm talking about it's this powerful invisible 
veil that is not even a veil. It's like a, it's something that fulfills yeah. your heart mm-hmm. and your spirit and your emotions and your body and everything. It makes you almost numb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've talked about this a bunch. Like, of joy. I, I think that's why, like, I think that's why I pursued music professionally because I, I was so scared and sad in so much of my childhood. But I would get that, like, escape in music. And it, it's, it feels like, like maybe escape is even the wrong word because it's so full, like like you said. But I would be, you know, on stage or even in... I, I've been thinking... I talked about this with a, another guest a couple weeks ago, but I've been thinking a lot lately with my students about, like, I, I felt as a child, like I would get it in my practice even because I needed it so badly. You know, I would get that, like, zone, in that zone, that beautiful feeling in my practice... I would get it while I was listening to music. I would get it in, like, so when I was a child, I was in a, a choir, like a children's choir. I would get it in rehearsal. I would get it during warm-ups. You know, like, I just, right. like, anytime those vibrations were happening, especially in a choir, so many voices and working singing together. singing is, like, a powerful thing body. because it's in your body. Totally. And I just, like, I wanted to soak it up whenever I could and... um and that's why I think that's like ultimately why I chose to go into music because it was where I was, where I felt like peaceful and joyful most frequently. Yes. And, but it's tricky though. Like, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like the older that I get and the more that, the more that music is like my job, it's harder. It's harder to find. Huh. I find Interesting. that. Interesting. And it might also just be like, there are things that I find complicated about living here, like that make it a little bit in Utah. Yeah, in Utah, absolutely. That make it kind of yeah. I've been hard. here twenty one years, and I still doesn't feel like home. And yeah. it's so sad to say, but maybe not. Maybe it's the story of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, where is home? I mean, I lived in Brazil. I lived in New York. I live in the Bay Area. I've been in Europe. Whatever. Yeah. And I, I here I've been 21 years, and the reason is because my husband is from here. He loves Utah. Yeah. He's a Utah man. Same. You know, I, I do know. I adjust, <laughs> yeah. and I have very good friends here. Yeah. Um, but it's just the landscape, the air. It's just I miss the ocean. Yeah. That's what I miss. Mm. But anyway, music. Talking about the music. So I left at 21. Yeah. And I was so lucky to feel, to find this group of musicians in Brazil. So Wait, I have another question. Yes. So w- at what age were you when you kind of r- realized that or knew that you were going to pursue violin in your adulthood? Was that something you just kind of always knew? It was like a given? Um, or did you have to kind of think about it? No, the thing is this. So I was trained as a child. Right. So the technique, I, I had it, right? Yeah. I was taught that so I kind of dominated the instrument at the time Mm. so I didn't like from so I went to the conservatory from 7 to 13 years old so six years or so and then I stopped the violin for like two years okay and then my brother had a group of a music antigua, which is like a middle middle yeah, age middle, music, yeah. right? Music antigua, yeah. and I—that's one of my favorite musics mm. in the world. I can listen to that every day, and 
I start playing with them, improvising yeah. cool. and reading too, whatever. Yeah. And we played in the streets cool. in, in, during the dictatorship. So that was like powerful because we were bringing were some peace to that turmoil that was wow. happening. And That's that so really inspired me to, yeah. to never leave violin again. Mm -hmm. And I left Chile with my violin in my shoulder. That's what I had. You know, I have pictures of that. Did you do any professional training in Chile? Like, did you do any college there or yes, anything? Yes, I went okay. to Universidad Católica. Okay. And uh, I was there in the music okay. program for a bachelor's for a year and a half. But that's when I decided to leave the okay. country. So I, and my mom said, are you coming back for college? Because, you know, this was a very, it's, it still is a very good college. And I said, I have no idea when I'm going to be back. And she's like, what do you mean? And I just knew in my heart, like, I really don't know, mom. I'm sorry. I don't know. And I never went back. How did you have like the bravery at that young age to make that kind of decision? I, people ask me that. I don't know. But my mom, before she died and uh, me and her very good relationship, she said, I admire you. I admire you because you did with your life. You're doing with your life what I never had the guts to do. Yeah. And she had a very authoritarian, mean father. Mm. My mom should have been an actress. She was so amazing that oh. way. And when she asked to do that, her father slapped her in the face, yeah. across the face, hard. Yeah. And that was it because yeah. he was the boss. So my mom got a degree in French and in music because that's what a lady was supposed to have. Yeah. So for me, I broke the chain. Yeah. And I broke it, I don't know if consciously or unconsciously, but I was never going to follow rule. I was very like, I didn't like rules. That's so cool. I you like know. it. This is why I like you so, so much. So I went really wild when I went to Brazil because Brazil, I mean, coming from a dictatorship regime, Go to Brazil. So you go colorful. to Brazil in the yeah. jungle. It's like you just get naked and run, yeah. you know, and play the violin in the beach and whatever. It's so like what what was it like? You moved to Brazil when you're 21, and what did you do? Or I, run naked in the jungle what I did is I learned to make jewelry with cool. the hippies that I met yeah. along the road, along the way. So I will sell earrings and and bracelets or whatever I made, cool. but the main a source for me to eat and everything was my violin. Cool. So I will go to a restaurant and I say, can I play you a serenade or something? I will always put a little humor into my my yeah. language. You know, can yeah. I play you a serenade? Do you want to make you cry? Do you want me to make you laugh or what? And two out of 10 pe people will say, sure, okay, go ahead. And I will eat, you know, yeah. totally living day by day with no worries at all. My mom asking me, when are you coming back? And I'm like, mm, I'm having know. too much fun yeah. here. I'm not going back. Did you learn Portuguese? Yes, absolutely. And did, did you know Portuguese before? No. Oh, my gosh. I did That's so, so scary. You have to learn it because yeah. I was there. And I live in villages. Yeah. And in the village that I live in was called Arembepe, which is in Salvador de Bahia, in the northeast of Brazil. Okay. Um that was my first encounter with, well, not really my first, but my first kind of community service okay. that I did with children. Like yeah. I organized some collecting money, whatever, and bought a guitar for this kid that was like oh. 
so talented. You will listen wow. to him playing drums or whatever. And a week later, his mom changed the guitar for alcohol. Oh, and that no. was like, wow. Oh, no. It was, you know, that was like, yeah. gave something, like, shake me. It's like so sad and the child was sad and it's yeah. like wow that's heartbreaking so yes and yeah. then during that time i met grupo agua which was there were five chilean guys okay who were playing with milton nascimento and milton was very famous at the time I know him. so yeah. i played with i got to play with milton wow. one time wow. at Teat teatro dos bandeirantes wow. and it was the most incredible i mean i was this Totally young woman, you know, 21. Yeah. And I get to play with this monster, yeah. really. And it was amazing, like backstage talking to him. And he was like a god, you know, yeah. for Brazilians, for sure. Yeah. His voice is like honey. It's yeah, like yeah. I still listen to him and it's like, wow. He's fantastic. Yes. So that was amazing. It was that like... Were you into like jazz before that? No, never. Okay, that was the introduction. That was never. the beginning. Then yes. what happened? Tell me your story. <laughs> what happened? So <laughs> Where in did Brazil, you go next? so we, so the group was, we were touring all over Brazil, playing gigs, the six of us. Did you have like an agent or something? Or you were just We book? did have an agent who was a friend of ours. Okay. Felipe Saint Jean was his name. And he and I went to Bolivia and Peru to try to get like do get first of all we have to renew our passport okay. so we had to leave the country and come back right because i was a tourist yeah. so every six months you have to leave come in and out and we went to bolivia at that time to get gigs and we took a train from brazil to bolivia, bolivia. to la paz okay. and the train is called the death the, the train of death because oh, no. it's known to be like have accidents or we stop like 10 times so we will mm -hmm. hang out and yeah. we're just having a great time wow. in the train and I'm playing violin in the train for everybody because I was like a little actress you know yeah, making people so laugh energetic. or whatever yeah. and there is this man sitting there that was beautiful with long hair and he was just quiet listening to the music and you know and he became my first husband oh my so we didn't speak the language. He's from Rochester, New York. Wow. And he said, I'm going to take you to the best country in the world. And that's the reason why I came oh to gosh. the United States. Did your bandmates come too? Did you no. come as a group? Wow. So I yeah, played the, the last concert with them in Campinas, uh, waiting for my green card in Brazil. So me and Jim, my the father of my son, my first husband, we met Ten days later, we got to my mom's in Chile. We drove there. And then we got married ten days after we oh met. Gosh. So that's insane that is now crazy. that I think that about it. But that was perfect. You know, yeah. we did the you perfect thing. Heart. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. my mom was like super happy because Jim is a great guy. He's, we are very still close. Good. He's good. a great dad. Good. He's a good friend of my husband's. That's it's awesome. like we are family. You, you and know? Harold are so, so cool with that kind of stuff. Like I know you're... I, I, our exes are all Yeah, I've heard Harold friends. talk about that too. Oh, That's yeah. Cool. yeah. That's cool. Um, okay, so you went into check-in with your mom. You got married 10 days later in Chile? Uh, in Chile yeah. and then went, flew to Brazil, wait for my green card. At that time, it was 1980. Okay. 
I waited one month for a green card. I think today you have to wait 10 or 20 years yeah. to get a green card. That's well, crazy. in one month I got my green card. And, and we you went to the States. Yes, and I crazy. landed in Florida. And I never forget the shock. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I live in the jungle in Brazil and travel all over, like in nature. Yeah. And then I go to Florida and I thought it was so plastic. Yeah. I look at rest. Everything was like fake to me and you didn't for have some reason there, like no one no no just, one that you knew before no just nobody wow. just my husband so we hitchhiked from florida to new york oh my gosh took us i don't know four or five days or a week i don't Crazy. remember well but we did yeah and truck drivers took us car took us we were lucky wow. nothing bad happened to us wow. nice people they fed yeah. us wow. and then we met i met his parents who were very nice why was he in colombia or in in south america yeah wait. he okay so yeah. he Wait, where, where was the train going? The train was going from to Peru? From Brazil to Bolivia. Bolivia. Okay, yes. okay. So okay. anyway, so he was coming from South Africa because he was traveling around the world okay. like, like we all were, was, like that was our dream, was right? He, was he an artist too? No, he had a psychology degree. Okay, cool. And just wanted to yeah, love people too. He just worked. He's a hardworking guy okay. and he just needed to travel around the world and went by himself and went to Europe first then to South Africa, and then to South America, okay. just because he wanted, decided he to. to. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then you went to Rochester and met his family. Right. And how long were you there? One year. It was too cold for me, and he figured that out and said, okay, we're going to California. And he had yeah. a very good friend who's still a friend, and we moved with him in the Bay Area. In the country, in Sonoma County, cool. where Jim still lives, wow. but I didn't like the country. I liked the city, so yeah. I wanted to live in San Francisco so much. Yeah, and one that was one of the reasons that we really, the, our marriage didn't last. For, we lasted seven years because of that that yeah. difference in our tastes. When you did know? you have Venus? So we got married March 12, nineteen eighty. And Venus was born December 12, 1980, exactly okay. nine months. Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> Which is like okay. funny to me. So you, because had a, you were a brand new mom. Oh, what were you going to say? Yeah. No, it's oh. interesting that it's the 12, 12, nine months. Exactly. Yeah. You know, wow. I was a happy mom. I was pre like my pregnancy was not planned. My, You know how moms today, like they read books, they plan everything. For yeah. me, it was like. This is great. And I just was pregnant riding my bicycle until I was like eight and a half months pregnant. Oh my gosh. You're you know, so, cool, so young Bobby. too, you know. Yeah. It's like I didn't have, I never got sick. I yeah. was like totally wow. healthy Amazing. pregnant. Wait, okay, so. so tell me about your time in the Bay Area. So I, I've heard you talk about this time in your life before, but I wasn't picturing that you also had a baby at this time. Yes. So I'm going to hear the story different, <laughs> differently now. Okay. Yeah, tell me what your time in San Francisco so was So like. we moved to the Bay Area and there was this commune that lived in an art gallery in Pine and California Street, which is a very nice neighborhood. And there were three couples that lived there. So me and Jim went to live with them cool. and they all had babies. So we, we all mothered the babies. Oh. We cooked together. I learned a lot about like microbiotic cooking wow. and health food. Everybody was very healthy. Of course, we party a lot and dance like every night was a party. Wow. So my son Venus is his name. 
he grew up with artists mm. since he was little. And then I became super involved with theater. Yeah. So I performed in a theater group called Windows Performing Arts for 10 years in San and Francisco. Were you playing violin with that group yes. also? Okay. And acting, but I never took an acting class, so I'm sure. <laughs> my my sure. friend who is a choreographer still, and she lives in France, she is the one that just gave me roles and just told me. I'm sure and you the were way I understood it, which is how I understand music, is by ex- giving me a little poem. Mm. Like with your music, Emily, when I got the challenge to play your al- your first album, yeah, to me it was one of the biggest gifts. So thank you for that, really. <laughs> thank you. That's it so was nice. like amazing for me because not only beautiful music, but to me, it was a challenge because I have never played music like that. It's some tricky stuff on that yes, first album. Yes, <laughs> very. And I was like, that gave me like a um, a direction yeah. and a meaning. And I, when I, I, I'm very good with discipline and organization because yeah. of the way I grow up. Yeah, I grow yeah. up with discipline and organization skills, and so I can do something if um, somebody tells me what to do, then I will. A little figure it out and make it happen but I need that push and that entry point yes yeah, I am not that. a composer I'm not like mm-hmm. somebody that out of the air creates something except when I'm improvised yeah, yeah. but I need that platform yeah, yeah. of people that care about me and that they respect me mm-hmm. and they believe in me so you did so thanks I still do. for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I think you're amazing. That and was and like it's so funny cool. too, because when I was writing a lot of that music, I pictured a violin on a lot of it, but I didn't know any violinists uh, in Texas and I knew a lot of horn players. So the record has saxophones and clarinet and flute, right. but I, I love hearing those horn parts played by violins. So that was yes. also like so much fun for me. Um, and like, I just think you're amazing. It was fun to share a a stage with you. That was fun. Yes. That was really fun. And anyway, so in San Francisco, the theater group, that was powerful. We rehearse every night because my friend is a type of a magic person who always gets things happen to her in life. I'm credible. She speaks like eight languages. She's really amazing. And she was one of the people that lived. She's a choreographer and director of that group. Okay. And um, we had a theater for ourselves in right a block away from our house. Crazy. And we would perf- like re- rehearse every night and I will bring my son with me and he will sleep there what? while we rehearse. So it. he grew up with, like uh, in the theater. with people that loved him. Yeah. So I always tell him, you know, he's different. It's not, I see moms today like, oh, the child, I need to go home because the he yeah. needs to take a nap or something. Just, I grew up, I, like I mother so differently yeah. and I'm not judging them. I'm, yeah, I yeah. think now I will do that too. Yeah. I will have like schedules and more order, yeah. but he's a very well adjusted person. He seems great. I've never <laughs> yes. met him, but I see you post about him on Facebook sometimes and he seems He's very amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yes. So how long were you in San Francisco? I lived in the Bay Area for 20 years wow. and I played with so many bands that I can't even remember. Did you, am I crazy that you played with Cecil Taylor? I did play with Cecil Please Taylor tell me in, about the, that. in San Francisco Jazz Festival. Wow. And I don't remember the year. I'm like so space. Okay. I don't know yeah. the date. But it was amazing. I have... Uh, it was like 20 violinists, maybe 12 violinists, oh three drummers, <laughs> Cecil Taylor, 
and one singer, one poet. Wow. And she was the only one that had a microphone. Oh. Everybody else was with no mics. Wow. And we just did kind of like a, it was all improvisation. Wow. And I remember it was two shows or three shows. I think it was two nights. Wow. Yes. At the Yerba Buena Art Center. Cool. And uh, the first night, half of the audience left. Oh in gosh. the middle of the concert because they didn't not understand. Well, yeah. they didn't get it. Yeah. And I had a great, it yeah. was the best. And Cecil Taylor, I, it, that was an amazing experience because in our rehearsal, we had two rehearsals with him. He gave us this score of music and I still have it. And I wish I would have brought it to you. Yeah. But it's like a design. It's not notes there. Wow. It's a design with symbols that he made up. Cool. He says, that's your violin part, that's the drums part. That, and people, like the classical violinists, I was laughing because for me that was so like familiar. Like, this is not, I'm for it, you know, yeah. this is crazy yeah, and yeah. creative and indifferent and all that. So I said, okay, I can read that. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, and he will whisper, he, will, he was like, Okay, now you. So everybody had to be complete silence to listen to his instructions, mm. and I loved that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. he, I think he purposely. He didn't have a voice like that. He just purposely did that, yeah. so we will hear him. Yeah. And that was like a powerful moment, you know. The re, the two rehearsals we had. That's with him. so cool. I love yes. that kind of thing too. Like that level of trust. It's so magical. I. I know what you're talking about. Like I'm, I've never worked with someone like that, but I, I've had little moments like that that are so so precious. That are just I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like a, it's like magic. Like you said, like it's just like a yes. little. It just happened, and it was like all these strangers, you know, that came yeah. together and and created this music with the poetry going on. And, yeah. And his piano playing, it was like amazing. Well, there's like, something wow. so incredible about a group of people committing to something totally unfamiliar. Yeah. That's so, that's such a high level of trust. Yes. And it, and so yes. beautiful. It's almost like if you can achieve that, like that's the art, like achieving the trust with, with strangers like right. that. Um, right. It almost like doesn't matter what else happens. It's going to be beautiful because of that, I think. That's yes. really cool. And it was the, tr that's a good word you use in trust, yeah. totally trusting yourself and the process, mm -hmm. you know? I don't, I, I don't know what to ask about this, but before when you were talking about how, when you're creating, you, you need people who care about you. Mm -hmm. Do you find like, do you find that it's like, do you find that you have to teach people to care about you or like, how do you find people that care about you? Like how has, cause I think I feel like that too. Like I make my best work when I'm with people. I feel safe around. Of course. Like I think right. everyone's like that, but I find that some people are, seem to be better at like finding people who care about them. Do you, do you know any secrets about this? <laughs> do you have I think we attract <laughs> Kind of we are like mirrors and we attract in the moment what what we give. I think we we get what we give. Mm -hmm. So music gives you what you give her. That's mm -hmm. to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, people give you what you give them. Mm -hmm. But for me, I stopped trying 
to make people like me a long time ago yeah. or to pay, make people accept me a long time ago. It's something that I had to work through through a lot of tears and pains and rejections. How did you do it? And being older, Emily. <laughs> I'm good. like That's twice good. your age. I need to. Well, when, did, yes. when did you figure it out? How old, uh, how I old think I started. Well, <laughs> being in, you know, where I learned the most fast? It was in my jobs. Mm. And I work for the state. I've been working for the state for a long time, but in different agencies. So mm. the first agency was Child Protective Services. Let me tell you, that broke my heart. That changed me forever. I don't know how people can keep doing it. I lasted. Two years, four years in that job, and it was like really, really horrific to me. Mm. And I understood more about human pain and and misery and beauty and everything. All the yeah. human diaspora, you know, yeah, of yeah. emotions and mm-hmm. behaviors. And then... Um, when was that? Was here in Utah. When did in, you I graduated in 2000. I went to the University of Utah, okay. a graduate school, two, 2000 to 2002. Okay. After you moved here. So okay. in 2002, I graduated and I got a job immediately. Yeah. And then I've been working since then. But um, so you were, yeah, the you question were, was... Oh, how about caring? <laughs> yes, well, I'm a very caring so person. And I will always yeah. care, care, but now I'm learning how to care for myself. And yeah. the COVID year, last mm-hmm. year was my biggest master for that because we were not together with others. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any gigs. Mm -hmm. Well, I had one in a gig with, with the Bay area, but uh, in in Zoom, which is not the same. So all of that was taken away from us, that human connection that, you know, that I contact when you play or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, that respect, that mutual respect and everything. And you, I became very involved with um, this writer. His name is Michael Singer. And he wrote a book that is called The Surrender Experiment. And I'm, let me tell you, that book opened like these doors for me I that are like it. so amazing. Yeah. Uh, what a powerful guy, mm-hmm. fun. Plus he was a hippie in the 70s, so I relate to him very yeah. much. He's a very successful man. By chance, mm-hmm. it's like kind of remind me of Harold, you know, Harold yeah. has a PhD and he's very successful in he, what he does, yeah. but he didn't plan to have a PhD. Yeah. He just was taking classes because he he's curious and he wanted to learn. So, so oh, I'm going to cool take too. this class. Oh, I'm going to take that class. And yeah. then he has a PhD. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Harold's great. He's so you cool. know, so what you're saying, I care sometimes too much about people, but I have learned, I read people very well. Mm-hmm. It's a skill that I always have had intuition since I was little. Yeah. Like I had, I don't want to talk about it because people will think I'm crazy, but I, I had apparitions and I have, you know, I did have a lot of connections with yeah. the invisible world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family knows that because yeah. I did experience that. But so I'm very good at reading people and they're, they're uh, kind of like they're, how do you say? Like like um, their emotional state? Or? Of course. Yeah. Yes, that for sure. But but I also know when to leave. Oh. I'm very good at, yeah. at leaving when it's before 
I get hurt. Mm. Leaving I'm meaning so like, I need to you learn. know, <laughs> yeah. like they're like in this town, like I was playing just for a little while. The person that inspired me to do that, it was you. Oh, and oh, yeah. that was because I never really learned jazz. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a jazz musician. Yeah. And I never went, went to school for jazz. I have a bachelor's in music performance for cl- classical music. Yeah. So that was a new thing for me, very challenging. I had many teachers. The only person who re- I really learned from beco- is Jeff Miller. Jeff, and the reason Jeff why is, so is because of his personality. Mm-hmm. I need, it's like I'm difficult that way I cannot learn with just anyone yeah. it has to be someone that explains it to me the way my brain gets it mm-hmm. has patience mm-hmm. and cares about me and he's one of one of those people he's so beautiful I forget sometimes because he's not on Facebook so sometimes I I because I don't live in Salt Lake I don't see him I forget and then sometimes I remember like oh Jeff I need to play with him more he's, he's playing he's incredible he's so and he's such a like a he doesn't, I get so scared of so many people. Like I think cause my parents are both narcissistic and they're just, I think I was raised in a situation and it's not even just my parents, but like my whole extended family and the culture. And I don't know. I feel like it's very, um, like people are not honest, you know, even if they're not meaning to be dishonest, it's like, you just don't know what people mean and and so trust can be very scary and sometimes i think like what i was going to say before i I've, I've realized recently cuz my mom died almost 4 years ago that's when i started really trying to untangle like a lot of these things yes. cuz i i started realizing how bad the problems were right before she got sick and then while she was sick i was on pause you know <laughs> just like trying to survive and then after she died really trying to figure out a lot of things. And so I think what I've started to realize more recently is that I get in, I think I get in this, I find myself in this pattern as we do as people. But I think when I was a little child, I'm, I'm a resilient person. Naturally. I think I'm a creative person. Naturally. I'm very stubborn. Naturally. Absolutely. And so I think as a little kid, I knew that my parents weren't kind to me. And I thought, it's okay. I can figure it out. I can figure out how to get, how to, how to, how to be a child that they can love. I can figure out how to do everything right so that they will care for me. And I think I just am still doing that. (laughs) I'm just still doing it. But we do that in many ways still, you know, it's like, how can I be of service of others? Mm -hmm. You know, I care for others really genuinely easily. Like I care about people right away and I want to know their details and I want to accept the person who they really are. So I think it's a weird combination where like, and I was like that with my parents and I love my parents. Like I love them with my whole little baby heart um, every day, even though they didn't love me back. And so I, I think I have some like really unsustainable patterns that I'm trying as an I'm trying as an adult to figure out how to keep the parts that I love. Like I love that I care about people quickly. I don't want to change that. Um, and I love that like uh, I'm creative and I like problem solving and that I'm stubborn. Like I like those things. <laughs> but I think I need to learn this thing you said of like knowing knowing when to leave. I think I haven't. I think I always realize it a little bit too late. <laughs> 
like oh but that people. too late is a lesson that's true and that's you know true. and i think when our mothers died especially our mothers yeah. it, there is like this umbilical cord floating in the air that's the image image Untethered. i have yeah, i've said this yes before too. and then that's when we start finding ourselves mm-hmm. and and we find figure it out especially our girls how similar we are to our moms in many ways, even though we don't want to. Yeah. So we have we inherit that, and our power is to change what we don't like and what doesn't serve us, right. and to embrace their what because there everybody has something positive. There is no one human being on earth, I believe, yeah. that doesn't have one thing that is positive. So I'm sure your mom had one thing mm. that was, she was or more than amazing one. Amazing at so many things. Positive that yeah. you can embrace and, you know, and uh, yes, and be resilient like you are already. You Ugh, know. I feel like I have so many things to learn. <laughs> so many things to learn. But what was I going to ask you? Oh, I was, I was going to, I was going to ask if you have any, um, I don't know if you have any wisdom to share about like how to how you manage to surround yourself with people who you could trust. Like, mm-hmm. how, do you know? Do you can you? Yes. Well, you this is you know what is funny. <laughs> I trust like okay, so I meet somebody that I have an affinity with. Yeah. Uh, I'm in general. I'm very drawn to immigrants because I'm an immigrant. Yeah. So people from other places including you were coming from Texas. So you are also an immigrant to yeah. Utah, right? Mm-hmm. So I am attracted to that. And then I just open my heart yeah. and I am always me no matter what. So I'm not going to treat the ba- my boss differently than my colleagues or the person that cleans right. the bathroom. I'm always, always been that way. And uh, that is unbreakable to me. Mm-hmm. So then... The disillusion comes. I have had friendships that are broken forever. But it took years to like build a friendship and I gave my heart Mm -hmm. and I don't regret it. And then was the time to leave because that person or because that person changed or their values were not in tune with my values, which Mm -hmm. is a very, very important thing. Mm -hmm. And then you just retreat. Retreat. And if they ask you why, you tell the truth. If they don't ask, you retreat and you keep going with your own projects Mm -hmm. and your own life and your own beauty. Yeah. You know, walk in beauty, I guess, is the phrase. Yeah. There's so much to live for. And, you know, it's like, it's always going to be great stuff that you learn from people about yourself. Yeah. I think that's it's true. It's a reflection, you yeah, know. I think that's really true. It's, but it's hard. <laughs> it, yes. It's hard. Yes, but it's a skill too, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I'm, yeah, sometimes I get discouraged, but then I think like, I'm so bad, I'm so much better at this than I used to be, you know, like, but for me, it's like it goes in phases. Like, like I used to get sometimes so hurt in like my relationships with my students even like I would care about them so much. And then if they would just quit suddenly or something, it would break my heart. And I don't feel like that anymore. Like I think my relationships with my students, especially, you know, older students. um, Yeah. I think I have better like emotional boundaries and I've learned how to give all that I can give and not really have 
any expectations and that feels good. That feels fine. Um, but I haven't yet learned how to do that with colleagues, like mm-hmm. with bandmates or like collaborators. So I'm, I don't know. I'm learning. <laughs> I think you just hit a word that you just said a word that is very, very important. Like boundaries. Maybe? Uh, no? yeah, well, boundaries are always important. Yeah. They're healthy. And, you know, and it's, it's like being the difference between being selfish or self-centered. Selfishness is positive word, but it's used in the wrong way. It's used like it's a not positive word. It's like working, working is like a virtue to work, 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 work. It's an American, I think it's an American phenomenon. Totally. And not honor your time off, Mm -hmm. your rest, your diet, exercise, good relationships. It's very important, you know, like, how are you with your friends? How do you know? Are you in peace with them? Is yeah. that, you know? Yeah. It's important, I think. But yeah. that was not the word that I was looking for. Oh, you hit a word. It was not the boundaries. Um, expectations. Oh, yeah. That's the word. So it's good not to expect because mm-hmm. I used to expect too. Now, in your case, because you're a leader, a band leader, yeah. you definitely have the right to expect. Yeah. You have to yeah. expect musicianship, respect, uh, professionalism. Yeah. They have to know how to read your music. If you like their improvisation, you, that's why you hire them. Yeah. Those are expectations that are realistic. Yeah. Yeah. But when we expect people to like fulfill our empty spaces, yeah. that's the one that is not really goes nowhere yeah yeah and i have had i have been in that world too i mean i'm telling you i well, used to expect like that people are like me so they're exactly. caring like me and they're nice like me and they will um, gonna be like we say cariñoso in spanish it's like loving yeah. because i'm a loving person mm-hmm. i believe but if they are not and if they're cold or if they have a type a personality or whatever yeah. then I will be hurt, but it's like, why are we taking it personal? Right, I know. They are doing, it's It's their their story, it's their projection, it's their life. Mm. And we, our responsibility, I think, is to keep our side of the street clean. My my side of the street, my house clean. Yeah, yeah. I think that's wonderful advice. Yeah, and I know those things are true, but I still, like I said, I get surprised. Like, I get surprised every time someone is cold. Like, I think I just, me too. I just assume that people are tender and sensitive and that they want to love me. Like I want to love them, like that they want to like have this tenderness because I, it's very difficult for me to separate music or art at all from tenderness. Like, I don't know how people get academic or cold about it. It makes no sense to me. Right. And so I think I always expect people to be like warm and careful and thoughtful and then when they're not, it su- surprises me so much. Maybe because you're a real artist and your art, which is your music in your case, maybe you you have other arts, but the music I'm talking specifically yeah. is is your world, yeah. you know? And, yeah, that, it's hard to and it requires it. this sacredness that you demand in your own self, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you work so hard to do what you're doing. Of course, you you want to expect others to see that, and some people are just there for the work, yeah, and yeah. and if there is nothing wrong with that. Don't yeah. take me wrong. I know, but yeah. but maybe those are not the 
the teammates that you need for your growth and for your happiness or whatever. So the road of life, you learn, you know, how to read people and see who do you want to be with. Like, for me, I always like warm people and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that's very important to me. And I play better if that's the case. Me too. I do not play well if I have these people like that don't. Act too academic yeah, I can't. In the same way. Yeah. Yes. I think so. that's why I love teaching so much because I get to, and I'm, I'm, I imagine you're like this too, but I get to, because I'm I'm in a different kind of a position of authority, like I'm not a boss, but I'm I'm, I'm an authority figure, but it can be warm. You know, like I feel like a teacher-student relationship can be so very warm. And I feel like I get to set the expectation that like, it's magical. <laughs> like, And my students like will, are so much more likely to um, respond well to that because it hasn't been trained out of them yet maybe. But I, I love that. I love like the lesson time. I love letting the lesson time be like very magical. It's and I think because they, they want what you have and they are excited to receive your wisdom for that. And talking about teaching, I that's my, one of my passions. Yeah. I love teaching violin. It's just to me, it's like... It's so special. And the relationship with the students, like you say, the adult ones too. Well, yeah. the, with the children, it's different. Yeah. It's adorable, the mm-hmm. girls that I have. Yeah. But the, the grown-ups is incredible. Like in yeah. the COVID year, because we did Zoom, and we all have Zoom fatigue by now, mm-hmm. for sure. But... It was, we got, became very close because it's like, it's not only this violin teacher teaching violin and technique Mm -hmm. and all of that and interpretation or whatever, but it's this human being in front of the camera having a... It's like communion. And one of them is a doctor that works at the ICU and has seen so many people died of this crazy virus. Yeah. So she will share with me. I will never ask. She still shares with me and... It's like she's suffering. This yeah. person who is a doctor, she's suffering because of her job, you yeah. know? Yeah. And and that's the humanity, that connection in mm-hmm. that humanity is what really matters because when we go from this planet, I mm-hmm. think, that's what we're going to have. Mm-hmm. We won't have our houses and our bank accounts yeah. and any of that. I agree. It's you such know? a... It's we'll have our relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with that. Like the the teacher student relationship is, if you're if you're wholehearted about it, I think it's it's so magical. There's so much trust. Like, there's a very specific creativity there. Um, yeah, and I think like it's such a. I feel like I really feel it's such an honor to have someone trust me with their creative yes. voice. Um, yes. And their physical voice, you know, that's a really powerful thing. And yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's very special. And we get to laugh too, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I have a student that I have for five years now. And yes, she's playing violin and she learned how to play from nothing to something. Yeah. But she still asks me, say, when am I going to sound good? And mm-hmm. I'm like, practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the word. Practice, practice. Oh, yes, sure. And then I ask her, did you practice? Oh, no, I didn't. I just practiced before the lesson. And I'm like, okay. But it's like a therapy session almost, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. they want to have that lesson. Mm -hmm. They're not looking to be a concert violinist Mm -hmm. or anything. So 
It's this very beautiful moment. I, I really like teaching. I do too. It's it's so. so it's very special. So tell me about like, do, is there anything else you wanted to say about your San Francisco years? Like I know there's so much, but is there anything else you no, like? That I just play. I don't know. Play with so many different genres like punk music and new wave music, cool. folk music, um, and I met Harold in San Francisco. How so did you that's meet him? <laughs> Well, remember I was talking about that theater work yeah. piece. So one of the pieces that we had, actually we won a, we won a big prize cool. on that piece cool. that was choreographed by my friend. Yeah. Eponine is her name. Eponine, and so beautiful. And you so, said she's Belgian? No, she's oh, from she, Colombia, okay. but she lives in France for okay. many, many, many years. Okay. Well, she's an Eponine amazing... French name? I'm sure. Her yeah, parents so were... Her mom was French. Cool. But anyway, so... She had, we choreographed the first two minutes together. She is behind a white sheet and there are lights behind the sheet. And she's with a violin behind the sheet. But that, so that creates a shadow, right? Yeah. And then I come from an, a diagonal place, nude. I was nude, but painted white yeah. with green hair. Yeah. And I and it was winter time, so I was freezing cold. But anyway, so I come in diagonally, and my violin is hanging from a string in the middle of the stage, wow. in front of that white sheet. Mm. So I get behind my violin, and you know the shape of a violin is kind of like kind a girl, of like, a like a woman. Yeah. So I behind, and then I grab the violin and I start improvising wow. something really intense. Yeah. It was very like a like a like a. When the rain comes, how yeah. do you call okay. that? Like a like storm, a, storm yeah. a stormy thing, but that I have taught her the bowing parts of the beginning. Okay. So everybody in the audience were convinced that it was my shadow. Wow. And then she breaks and starts dancing behind me. And that's the oh. moment. And I keep playing. So imagine being in the audience. Yeah. What happened to the shadow? Yeah. So it was powerful. Wow. And Harold was in that performance, wow. my husband today. So he met me naked that yeah. day, but I didn't meet him yeah. because, you know, we didn't meet that day. But yeah. I heard about his name forever because Eponine, her husband at the time, is best friends with Harold. He's okay. a saxophone player who played at Rova Saxophone Quartet. Okay. And... Um, they will talk about, oh, the bass player from Utah, oh, they, he's coming to town. Years later, when Harold was already divorced and I was divorced and everything, we met finally. We met mm. at the right time. But it's funny that he saw me, the first time he saw me was that day, you know? Yeah. That's like so... a white ghost yeah, playing the it. violin. <laughs> did, the, did the green hair mean something or did you just have green hair at that My time? My friend had all these ideas. Yeah. She wanted, because she's very poetic, yeah. so this piece was very poetic. It was very sensual, but very poetic. And it. she wanted like this muse that comes, you know, like, or like a mermaid with green hair and white body. I was wondering if it was supposed to feel like trees or something, because it was winter, That's you know. A very, like oh, a, wow. She loves trees, maybe. Yeah, like a white trunk you know and like green evergreen i have a picture of that but i don't have the she has all the videos the film wow but that's so amazing did you were you scared 
did that kind i mean that not kind of all. performance no you've always been have you always been like vulnerable in this way like just brave that's just a i think i've special. always been brave yeah because so sometimes cool. i've been terrified like the f- yeah. like playing with like great musicians of course i'm terrified yeah. you know but i i do it and i don't have yeah, I don't get anxious anymore. I That's think I so have cool. a lot of tools that I learn in my career as a social worker to, to relaxation techniques, yeah. thinking process, um, all that stuff that has really saved my life. I mean, literally. That's amazing. So I do like I do TFT, which is called thought field therapy, which is mm-hmm. like tapping and eye movement. Cool. I do that anytime I start feeling anxious for whatever reason. Cool. Cool. So I will do tapping before a gig and cool. it always works for me. Great. It's completely relaxes me and it's like, and also I don't care anymore, to be honest with you. It's like, I don't care. There is always going to be people that like your plane and there is always going to be people that don't. That's true. There, Always. Yeah. So I'm not playing for that, you know. I'm playing because I need to play for my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not playing. Of course, we're giving a service as professional musicians. Mm-hmm. People are paying to mm-hmm. see you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need to give a service, right? We mm-hmm. provide what they are asking for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm very selfish that way. I'm yeah. playing for me and I'm having a great time. You're playing, yeah, like... To create, yeah, I, this is, I kind of started saying this before and then I got distracted, but yeah, like we're playing music, but sometimes I think the thing we're actually creating is like this flow that you were talking about before. Like we're creating like a, a timeless, um, purity, you know, and like it happens to be sound waves, but like the thing we're creating is like this beautiful like these trust things like this kind of transcendent like moment and our our job is to create that and then the audience can choose to participate in it or not right (laughs) yeah this is i was also i've been thinking about this you said this umbilical cord and i haven't quite thought about this but i've referred to this as like a tether and when we have this like untethered thing we can send it out, and if someone catches it, that's a beautiful moment, you know? Yes. And an audience can take that and hold it for the performance and then, you know, let it back and say thank you. And, and then, if you made one person happy yeah. in that performance, that's enough, at mm-hmm. least for me it for is. For me too, yeah, it's, yeah. That's, you or know. even if it's just me, like if, if I just, if I manage to create that that kind of beauty and, and I'm the only one that receives it, like fine you know right like it's so it's such a powerful thing that it's worth it just to have been in the room with it you know something that i think i have well i have thought a lot years and years about this but i see it more clearly now is like my relationship with music when i play the violin what when i play whatever it is like now i'm being practicing the four seasons of Vivaldi because it's so beautiful and it's good yeah. for technique. Yeah. Is uh I learn about myself, about my soul, about my mm-hmm. the way I react to things, the way what I need to improve. Mm-hmm. It's a complete music is like a mirror of of our souls and spirits. That's what I mm-hmm. think. It's a very powerful tool because mm-hmm. it's, it's non nonverbal. Yeah. Music is a nonverbal 
tool. Yeah. And it's like, how can it be? So we we all present it in a different in our own way. Mm-hmm. People receive it in their own way. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing a painting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the expression of it, you know, I mean, and when you're a professional musician, no matter what, you're gonna play the piece anyway. Right. But you know those nights are amazing and you don't know why. Well, the duende, right? Yeah. Who knows what yeah. happened? Who knows? But what it happens. It right. Not always. I wonder if there are musicians and I bet there are. Like Pat Matheny, I imagine I loved his music. He has duende all the time because it's just incredible what he does. Especially Pat Matheny with oh Lyle Mays. Oh my god. He's like, oh my God. It's just I know. It's or Avishai Cohen. Yeah. I just love that Wait, musician. You're talking about the bass player Avishai yes. Cohen? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because there's yes. two of yeah. them. Really? Yeah. Who there's two it? Avishai Cohens. Then they're both jazz musicians. I think the other one plays a horn. Oh, no, no. Point. The bass player yeah. singer. Oh, God. I love him too. Like, it's that kind of like, yeah, it's like just a feeling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's emotional. There you go. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so precious. And I think it's, I think it's kind of rare, like, or maybe it just feels rare here. Like, I feel like I don't know that many musicians here who are after that, but maybe I'm just not paying attention. Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think Jeff Miller comes close to that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He has this duende. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. And he's just humble. Mm-hmm. about it which mm-hmm. is really nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know he's not after fame he's not after having a name mm-hmm. he's just playing the music and he knows so much he's yeah. like plus he's really smart yeah. he's learning agda which is a very difficult language in computer mm-hmm. science cool. with harold cool and he i mean somebody that never studied computer science he's he's learning this very high tech yeah. And he's learning it. That's he cool. talks, I need to interview It's him unbelievable. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, I really should. He's um, fun. I don't know. I love him. So you met Harold when you were, you, you were living in San Francisco and he was yes. living here and yes. visiting sometimes. Yes. And then you fell in love and then you moved here. Yes. So what happened, the, the, when we met finally in person was we both were hired to play in Hong Kong so okay. in a, with the theater piece. Okay. So we went to Hong Kong and cool. then we fell in love in Hong Kong, which is kind of cute yeah. because we were laughing all day so long. Cute. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we came back and for one year he, will, he or me will travel mm-hmm. and we'll talk on the phone. At that time, we have no cell phones. Yeah. It was super expensive. Yeah, the yeah. phone call. So we spent a lot of money yeah. talking on the phone. And then he moved there okay. for two years, three years. And then we moved back to Sonoma County too, because my son was his last two years of high school. Okay. So I wanted to be very, very close to him yeah. before he went to college. Yeah. And then in the year 2000, we got married and then we moved here to Salt Lake. And then you went to school for social work. Yes. And then you spent a lot, you've kind of been doing that with violin since. Yes. Um, I don't know. Do you have you like maybe in the, in the decades that you've been here in Utah, do you feel like you've learned, like, is there anything you want to share about like just what you've learned about creativity or your thoughts about creativity? Like, cause you're so creative. Like, you know, you're creative in the how you decorate your home. You're creative with your friendships. Like, you're creative with your cooking. 
you know, you're, I'm sure you're creative in your social work. Um, do you want to like, what do you, do you have thoughts about any of those things? To me, human relations and human behavior are fascinations. So I'm always curious about that. And I think the creativity of being very, very patient with others that are not at the level that you expect or at the level of of basic understanding, people with disabilities, for example. That, to me, is being creative. And, of course, checking in with yourself because I'm naturally an impatient person. I want things, I'm very quick. I want things done. I go from Mm -hmm. A to B to C to D to E, and I can do it, you know. Mm -hmm. But that is not good when you are with someone that, it's not going to serve them to be right, like that. Right, you're right. going to be on A for three months, then you're maybe going to go to B the next month. Yeah. So the creativity in that level. And with music, I learn a lot um, with you first, and then Thank I you. play with Alan Michael oh. for four yeah. years, and that was really, really fun. Yeah. It was a great experience for me. And I learn a lot of things, and I realize how little of nothing of jazz I know. Yeah, you know I feel what that I way mean. Too. I, yeah. Oh no, no, no! Wait a minute! You know a lot. You have a master's degree in jazz. I also feel like I don't know anything, but like, I know what you mean. You know, like Alan will say, "Dorian, the the Dorian," and I'm like, I never learned the Dorian, Aeolian, Ionian, Locrian. Dorian is just minor with a major C. Yes, <laughs> I know it starts in the second degree and now I know that. Yeah. But at the time that I was praying, it's like, I just use my ear. So right. I'm just lucky with my ear I because that's Dorian. how I got away with murder, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, I know your ears are so good. You know. Dorian is happy minor. It's a Dorian beautiful pretty minor. scale, yes. Yeah, I like pretty. it. <laughs> <laughs> but then Harold talks about, oh, super Locrian. And I'm like, okay, that's it. That's where I don't we end it. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so with music, I learned just by playing with others mm-hmm. and a lot and with my students too. Yeah. You know, like I have one of my students doesn't want to play classical. Mm-hmm. So we play what she wants. I love that you said the creativity of patience. That's so beautiful. Yes. That should be a book that someone writes. Maybe you do Maybe it. I'll Maybe I'll write I'll it. Do, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> you but do the, it. the issue with that is that my English and my Spanish mm-hmm. are not that great because they're intertwined. Oh, I get matter. so, I live in two worlds, you, yeah. you know, with I that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I know when you said that, I feel like I know exactly that feeling. Like I feel that with my students. I feel that with my marriage, you know, like just it does take so much creativity to be patient and. I think I'm like you, like I'm, I'm active. Like I'm, I, I feel very passionate and I feel like busy. Like I, I, I'm, I like to be active in my mind and finding a way to be active in stillness, like to be active in that patience. What can I do in this patience or how can we pivot? It is such a, a special skill. I I love that. I love thinking about that with my students. Like when they are not going down the path that I think is going to be efficient for them, we be creative, you know, and then we we spin in like a little circle. Oh, you improvise. That's the word. Yeah. (laughs) Until you you find what is good for them, for Mm -hmm. them, Mm -hmm. because you serve in them. 
Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So it comes to mind again, Michael Singer with the surrender experiment. It's, mm. The book is about saying yes to things that make you uncomfortable, mm. saying yes to things that you will never even imagine that you will say yes. Example, mm. I was the architecture advisor at the Salt Lake Community College where I work for the past 10 years now. Yeah. And my supervisor called me three months ago and says, Flavia, you know, the health science department really needs help. They're short of advisors, blah, 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 blah. Can you help them? The first thing that came to my gut and my mind is no. Yeah. But I pause, which is rare on me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I pause and I said, what will happen if I say no to you? Yeah. And he's great. He said, well, I will try again next week, which is a very smart answer <laughs> yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. And I say, you know what? Yes. Yeah. So I'm doing the nursing program yeah. now. And it's like, because of what I learned with this incredible yeah. writer. Wow. You know, it's just saying yes to things that make you uncomfortable. Mm. And it's op doors open. Yeah. Other doors open and... My big, for me, my goal now is to not have fear about anything That's because so I'm a fearful cool. person. I am a war survivor. I'm mm. terrified of, of noises, of guns, of violence, yeah. of stuff that I saw. And I'm also terrified of people that are going to hurt you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like animals are great because you trust them, yeah. Except for tarantulas, but <laughs> I don't like them. But, you know, but people are like tricky. Yeah. So That's it's like... I was trying to say before, yes. like, there are people who will smile. They'll give you all the signals that oh, they're yes. safe and they're not safe. And I'm so bad at knowing which is which because I think I got mm. very confused about that in my childhood. I think... Sometimes I think that people that are insects or whatever like that, they have, they learn techniques like that. So they smile at you, yeah. but they're thinking something else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's so the hard. trick. That's the trick. So yes. Yeah. And uh, you just smile back, but that doesn't mean you're going to be open to them. Yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that part out. <laughs> Maybe we will all die trying to figure it out. Yeah, I also think that's fine. Yes. I mean, I read... Do you, wait, you, you're you familiar with Tara Brock, right? I feel like I talked about her book with Harold once, Radical Acceptance. No, I'm okay. not familiar. I, maybe, I'm like, maybe I'm feeling crazy, but um, she... Anyway, Radical Acceptance is something that I, I feel like I... I feel like I understand this concept, at least in some parts of my life. In other parts, not at all. But um, I do feel sometimes like... I, I'm flirting with this idea of like, I love loving people and I don't want anything to take that away from me. But, mm -hmm. but like you said, with the expectations, like having just radical acceptance, like, you know, maybe if I send out this umbilical cord to everyone, you know, yes. like the person I open the door for and, you know, who just I, love them and then leave. Yeah. You don't have and to just stay. Nothing, you know, and if they yes. hold on to that cord and, and like we have a little moment, great. And if and if not, then right, fine. But I'm, st you know, I'm still learning. <laughs> still yes, learning. Yes, we are all learning, aren't we? I yes. think I have just like maybe one more thing that I want to just see if you have any thoughts about, it. and it's okay if you don't. But so my podcast is called Artifice, and I named it that because I like the word. I think it's just a fun word, but also because I think, um, 
there are so many things that are unknowable about art and that are confusing and that, you know, if someone's looking at it, they would, they might get confused. They might make the wrong assumptions. Um, I think there will, there are so many layers of it. Like, like we were talking about before, you know, you have the experience that you're creating and then the audience can interpret it in a totally different way. Every member of the audience can interpret it differently. Um, and I guess I wonder if you have any, so in other words, like these are mysterious things like art and creativity. If you have just any other like favorite, favorite thoughts or things that you've learned about like what art is, why it matters, why it's mysterious, just anything that you want to share. I think, let me think. Well, without art, I think we will be like robots or dead. Um, there are, I have met people that they say, I'm not musical, I'm not arty, I don't, I don't understand art. And they are very successful in business or they have other careers and stuff. Those are a different breed of people mm -hmm. that for me, I don't, and I, it's very difficult to understand. So art for me is that it's a magic world. Yeah. It's a magic world. It can be an escape mm -hmm. from pain, mm -hmm. you know, like if you had a difficult childhood and then you're creative with music, that can be really your salvation. Mm -hmm. I mean, art is was the salvation for so many artists, you know, and I think it's a mysterious because it's always there, but it needs to be discovered by somebody. So it's, yeah. it's somewhere always in nature or, you know, in the cosmos on Mother Earth. I'm um, yeah. really like put attention to that, mm -hmm. the connection to nature. Mm -hmm. And it's, very, it's like you say, it's like we don't really know. know. It's just how in the world that we create. And some people are so incredible and people that, that, um, reach a lot of humans. Those mm. are the people I'm talking to me. Maybe you call it prodigy or something. Mm. People that, that so many understand it has a one thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's so powerful and it stays forever. And yeah. how is that possible? I don't know. It's amazing though. And I, I think it has to do with time, mm. the time, the historic time. Sure. The context. Yes. Yeah. Because like in Chile during the war, there are a couple of musicians that are like icons. Mm. They will never be, they will always, excuse me, be alive yeah, yeah. because they were singing about what it was happening in the moment. So mm. you have vo like words with mm. a sing songwriter, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if you have an instrument that can really transcend everything language, and yeah. you are speechless because of it, it's like, what is that? You know, I don't know. It's so amazing. And I, I wish I knew an, a perfect answer, but I don't have it except that everybody should at least try it, mm -hmm. even faking it. Well, try it. One like, thing that I think is like it. I I believe that it's a creative endeavor to receive art as well. So if someone doesn't want to make art, they can still be. Art, arty, they can still be like artful if they cultivate the skill of receiving art, 
you know, I, I don't know. I feel like it's very open. Like mm. you don't have to master the violin to participate in someone else's mastery of the violin. Right. You just have to open your ears and your heart and hear and hear it mm-hmm. and and really and really hear it, not just think like, oh, that's that's exactly nice. it. To hear, to listen, hear and immerse yourself in the object of your interest which can be an unknown object mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. something hap- comes, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that. And sometimes this art comes from an aha moment. It's like ideas that are brilliant mm-hmm. that just come to people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or something totally random, like a, you know, you see a bird, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think it is very mysterious and it's, it is very, I think you're right. Like without it, what we're, we're, just a primate, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, primates, non-human primates. Or marriage. Marriage is yeah. an art. Yeah. And I believe that a lot of people are terrified of it. Mm-hmm. And it takes art, creativity, all of that to keep, a, to make a marriage like happen in a good way. And that's what I said before. Like, cr- yes. like I feel, and Andrew and I talk about this a lot. Like, I feel like, I feel like our relationship is so creative. There's no like there's no higher creativity like in my life and we we work really hard on it. We think a lot about like well what different things are we not considering, you know, changing the paradigm, changing the lens um and being so creative with like um how we change, how we see each other, how we try to help each other how we try to let each other be i think you're right it's like it's your it's your it's a composition and i think parenting must be the same way too like honoring the other person and if you really love them let them do and be whatever they want to be and whatever they want to do yeah that's to me is that's a successful marriage really and very creative like yes you have to really let go of so much in order to let someone else be and that's I mean, that's, that's a surrender. That's improvising too, you know, like letting go of a plan. I just want you to know, Flavia, Bear like never comes in here. So this is like a very special that we got our boy in here. He came in to say hi, old bear. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Flavia, I love you so much. I feel like Mm. you're like a mother figure or an older sister or an aunt that I don't really have but you're such a valuable person Um, to me that's an honor to hear thank you i really mean it i can be your mom i told you that a long time ago (laughs) i probably wasn't ready to hear that yeah (laughs) um i always ask everybody at the very end on this day what's your dream collaboration is there anyone you'd love to work with or any project that you'd love to do yes i want to play and record with my brother in belgium cool something he plays professionally for many years and he's classically trained but he plays with other people and we did play a concert in Belgium like three years ago and it was great but I want to record with him before we get older than what we already are so that is one of the yes that's my the first thing I think I would love to I love that yes and then is there anywhere that people can go to listen to your music Right now, I'm not playing much, really. So I will let you know when that happens. Yes, Flavia, and you, you, 
prefer your last name Servino hyphen Wood. Yes. Right? Okay, Flavia yeah. Servino Wood. That's my dad and mom cool. hyphenated. Cool. Well, so. I really mean it. I love you so much. I think you're so amazing. I look up to you so much. And thanks for coming to talk with Echo me. to you, to those words. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Flavia. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.